What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I am Chris. And I am Ben. And we are here, as always, to bring you our opinions on the news notes and happenings from around the world of sports. Not much of the world of sports today. All NFL news. A lot to talk about. Only a couple of topics, but we're going to be able to deep dive on those topics. Uh, episode 106. Hope everybody had a very safe and happy Thanksgiving. Right in the middle of the holiday season. Um, as I said, my favorite time of year. I don't know. It's just something different in the air. I love it. Um... Yeah, hope hope you were able to make it with your families if you saw fit. Uh, maybe an unpopular opinion, but uh, you never know. No one's promised tomorrow, so if you felt that was what was right for you, go for it. Uh, yeah, today we're gonna. Well, I am, and I'm sure Ben was gonna chime in, kind of defending the NFL's decision to have this season, and some of the things we've seen, the negative things come out as to why they shouldn't have. We really, dis- I disagree with those. I, I think Ben would agree with me, uh, but that's you no. Know, he can, he can, he can tell you that. Yeah going to get into some of the firings this past week uh, as far as head coaches and general managers and one that may be on the way uh, and banker tank for week 13 after reviewing week 12 of course uh, start off though I mean NFL and COVID <laughs> look wherever you stand on this it's not really what we're here to debate that's not that's not the issue no matter what you believe about COVID you can go somewhere and find something to back you up, no matter what you believe. Right. No matter what, how far on either side of the spectrum of belief you are, how serious or not serious it is or isn't, you can go online and find someone to support your claim. So we're not here to convince you. We're not here to debate with you on that. We're here to kind of explain some incons- um, not inconsistent misconceptions yeah. with the NFL as to why they had their 2020 season. Uh, they put protocols in place for testing. They test every day. You have to go into, in order to get into a stadium or a practice, you have to be tested. You have to pass that test. There's been numerous players from fourth string, bottom of the barrel guys. And I don't mean any disrespect, but I mean, I'm just talking as far as where they stand on the team to superstars, guys like Lamar Jackson, who will not be playing tomorrow night because he tested positive for COVID or had exposure to somebody who did. Um, there's a lot of people just straight up saying, how dare the NFL have a season? They're just money hungry. They don't care about the players or their families or anything. And, you know, you get, you know, you get some moron neckbeard who gets to sit in his mom's basement and, you know, not, who doesn't want to participate in the real world anyways, gets to throw shade at everybody because, I don't know, he had bad soy for breakfast or something. And... (laughs) <laughs> it's like, well, wait a minute. Do you want to explain there that every single player had the option to opt out? Every single player, whether regardless of pre-existing conditions, regardless of family conditions, situations, you didn't even have to give an explanation. You could just choose to opt out. And you would be paid $250,000 for that year. So there's guys sitting at home right now who chose to opt out, who didn't have any pre-existing conditions, who just didn't want to take a chance. Who are making a quarter million dollars. Right. Add to that, if you had pre-existing conditions, such as several guys who had had cancer or who had major respiratory issues, uh, you know, anything of that nature, were paid at least 350000 which is honestly more than some are making anyways with their contracts. Or uh, I believe it was up to even uh, 450000 if you and others at home had issues. I don't know how that put, broke out, but 
The NFL didn't just say, you play or you void your contract or you're done. They made a lot, and a lot of that's due to the collective bargaining agreement. Right. They made a lot of uh, um, concessions, and rightfully so, for players and, and their families and people. So to stand up there and say, oh, the NFL is money hungry. Look, I don't know what business isn't money hungry. Businesses exist to make money. I hate to tell people that, but they don't exist just to be friendly and nice and dance around sunshine and rainbows and all that stuff. They, they exist to make money. Now, I agree. You can't have a heart and a soul while you do that. But, you know, yeah, they're here to make money. It's the National Football League. They're here to make money. And they also, like I said, made a lot of concessions to try to make sure everybody who agreed to play felt safe. Everybody who would, Everybody who agreed to play agreed to a certain set of conditions they would have to abide by. And you've seen a lot of inconsistency from not only players and the league as far as those go. But in the very beginning, these players were told, you do not have to play. So I don't want to hear anybody sitting out there, standing on their soapbox, and there's going to be a lot of mentions of soapbox and virtue signaling in this episode. If you're easily offended, we're probably going to lose you as a listener. That's fine. And Yeah. That's fine. If you're somebody who can take this, even if you disagree with it, we have no problem having a conversation with you. We will debate with you. We will discuss with you. Our handles will be at the end. Uh, Yeah, we're going to tell you exactly where to find us. And we're not trying to be confrontational. We're telling you we will stand by our opinions. But if you want somebody who's super sensitive, well, maybe it's time to float away, Snowflake. So there's a lot to unpack there. And I'd like to reference your, uh, was that uh, bearded? Person in the neckbeard, 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 yes. neckbeard in uh, mother's basement. I believe that's uh, what what the, what the kids on the internet call people who just kind of don't have a life or right. have ever you right. know so for, seen for a those, woman in person. For those inter, inter, individuals who think they're the arbiters of morality on the internet, keep pounding away at your keyboard. That's fine. I'll let you know what the real world is like because that's where I go and I I, I interact with real people. You can find us at Twitter at uh, BCTS Pod. Correct. Uh, at BCTS Pod. Uh, we also have a website, BCTSPod.com. Feel free to come there and complain. Yeah. Uh, you pointed out um, very eloquently that they set a lot of things in place before the season yep. even started. So you had the choice to, to, to buy into this um, process, this COVID process, or opt out, sit at home. Have your have your money, um, not. It, it like you said. Some people making that much money on their contract already, but some may not be, and and they're making a lot less. But you're not playing, so here's a little bit because they're part of a union because of the collective bargaining agreement. They had to make all these these agreements before the league year even started. I would just say to anyone who who thinks the NFL should stop. MLB got through their season. They had this 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 same point during their season where oh, maybe they should stop. And and we we were on that bandwagon at some points like they're going to well we were more like they're go- they're going to end it. It's not going to finish. I I I remember back to Adam Schefter, before the draft, how he was pounding the table about we should not have this draft. This is self-centered of the league. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. 
I don't know his exact words offhand. But he was pounding the table that they shouldn't have the draft where there was no interaction. Yeah, it was on. all done virtually, by the way. So I don't know. Again, that's him. As much as I respect his opinion as far as uh, uh, expert on, on front office uh, movings and insider information, that's him virtue signaling at its finest because he wanted to get praise on the internet. They're doing everything they should be doing. With the one exception, and and I think they're going to make this adjustment in the postseason, of uh, the bubble, which is exactly what the MLB did, and they saw that seemed to work out for them in the postseason. They didn't have the the cases, but also they didn't have the amount of players in the postseason because it it dwindles down because you have less teams. They're going to get through the season. There are going to be some teams that are unfortunately unfairly affected by this. I'll give you an example. The Patriots um, affected by this. The Ravens, or not Ravens, uh, the Raiders, uh, actually the Ravens as well, because they've had this game, this game that they were supposed to play with uh, Pittsburgh has been pushed back three, four times already. The Raiders had almost their entire defensive squad, what was it, last week or the week before, not available. Yeah, yeah. So, but this, but all teams agreed to this. So at any point, any team, just like the Cardinals were affected, the Marlins were affected, there's a couple other teams that were affected to a lesser degree, but still affected. The Red Sox best pitcher, Edwin Eduardo Rodriguez, they lost him for the season because oh, Chris he, Sale online too. Right. You said Roberto Rodriguez, the Sox best pitcher. I said Chris Sale oh, online well, too. Okay, but Sox best pitcher that was available to start last season. Okay, all right, I'll take that. Where were he got on the COVID list and he he opted out for the rest of the season. So it it may be an unfortunate of what's going on, but to play this season, these are some of the things you have to do and. They're going to finish this season, and anyone who says they should end it just doesn't care about their sport, and they just want a virtue signal, and they want to say, I'm going to make this outlandish opinion, although I do make some outlandish opinions. I'm not going to go – I would not go down this road. Look, these are these are all, all these are all big boys. These are all adults. Right. They, they talked with their families. They discussed it. They wanted to do this. They wanted to play. Uh, you do have players coming out saying, hey, they don't necessarily feel like the NFL is doing a great job of handling it. And that I understand because, uh, again, I have never said that this is not a real thing. So I don't want anybody to come out because every time – this is a sad disclaimer. Anytime you say anything other than, oh, my God, we also be terrified all the time, people come out and they say, oh, well, you think it's a hoax? No. You're ridiculous. Don't be a child. Don't be stupid. Don't because I disagree with your opinion on how serious everything needs to be. Does not mean I think it's a hoax. People weren't dying from nothing. This is obviously serious. Elderly, pre-existing conditions. Look, be very, very careful. Like you would have a lot of things. I get that. These are healthy adults, strong adults, who chose to continue to do this thing that they do to make a lot of money and entertain people. And instead of being like, oh, well, that's cool. It's a nice distraction. People got to try to pick it apart. 
if you're sitting there picking this apart, chances are it's probably the only time you care about the NFL is when you can try to tear it down. These aren't people who are fans anyways. What did I tell you? Well, I actually, I already said it during this show where it's like, if you're going to hear us say some of the stuff we say today and you're going to be bothered by it, well, and you're probably listening only for the sake of hoping you get offended by something so you can go on Twitter and go on a little rant. Not listening because you want to listen. And if that's the case, go float away. We don't need you. We, we want people here who actually want to have conversation and debate. And yeah, it's not about COVID. I mean, that's not where we're a sports podcast. But unfortunately, we've gotten to a point now where it's so entwined with everything sports related. We kind of got to come out and mix the two. And I mean, to a degree, we apologize for that because that's not what we want to do here. We want to just talk to story about stories. But the top stories this week, right? especially in this first segment of the show, really are about how much it's affected the game. So we're kind of, our hands are kind of tied on this one. If we want to tell you the real pressing uh, information and stories, kind of have to bring it up. Uh, and I'm sure all the grown adults out there listening, <laughs> or, you know, even if you're, you know, a teenager who listens, you know, thanks for listening, um, you know, aren't offended by the fact that we have maybe an opinion that may not match theirs because adults can have conversations. But 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 society should should be let me let me emphasize that should be where we can have dissenting opinions on on certain topics. That's offensive. That's hate but speech. But that's I, hate, I, Ben. I, that's hate speech. I understand. If you just don't agree with everybody, that's hate speech. I understand. And you're wrong. And you're wrong. I, I'm just going to disagree with the, the narrative <laughs> that if I don't align perfectly with the exact words that come out of your mouth. And when I mean you're, I mean a certain sect of the population. Then I am the black, black sheep. Snowflakes. Yes. Yeah. But. What, are we going to offend them? They're not listening. And if, you, if, they if are, you're listening, you just laughed at it. You don't care. So. <laughs> I just, I just, the whole idea of, of, of society is that you have different opinions. And that's how society grows. Different perspectives different ideas and that's how something like the NFL came to be different ideas being each and every year the NFL evolves because different ideas are inserted some ideas i.e. Sean Payton's PI uh, PI challenge just goes away after a year which is fine but other ideas yeah, I kind of thought that wasn't good what his his, his idea to do yeah, the, it, yeah what it did suck it wasn't good t- terrible and some ideas that never, never refer, you know, come to fruition, like you know, Andy Reid thinking everything, everyone should get equal opportunity in overtime, never sees the light of day. Hopefully, but there is other ideas that get get inserted. Yeah. Andy Reid thought that before he had Patrick Mahomes. Right. He hasn't said anything about that since he got Not the best peep. quarterback in football. He's been real quiet on that one. Right, because he knows. Yeah, he knows <laughs> like that. He knows if he gets the ball, chances are they're going to win. And even if they don't, if they don't get the ball right away, they know, oh, well, we can match you tit for tat because we're that good. I, I just, I, we can move on to the rest of uh, our, our first, yeah, yeah. first segment. It, it, and it kind of leans into to what we're going to talk about. It's, everything is not fair, but... We, we preach one thing on, on, on this podcast, and it doesn't matter if we're talking about 
and we try not to talk about politics, but whether we, we dabble into that or we talk about sports or anything, it's just consistency. Yeah, be, yeah. If it's good for one group, it's good for another group. And it I can't think, just be one way or the other. And I think that's that's part of the reason why the NFL is getting some pushback is they're inconsistent. But let's be honest, a lot of society, and you can, there is a lot of places you can go and see inconsistencies just all over the place. Well, and I'll even hear this here, in defense of all that, there there is even, just in, in different varying opinions, there's a certain level of anticipated inconsistency anyways. You're going to have that. Right. And, and I know a lot, sometimes I'll say something and I'll be like, well, it doesn't line up at all with something I said 10 minutes ago. And I kind of think about it and I, I process it and I'm like, all right, I kind of form an opinion that kind of meets in the middle because I, right. I, I, I didn't really think it through all the way. So, I mean, that happens. But, I mean, I, I don't know, man. It's just everybody, everybody wants to tell everyone else how to live. And it has never been more clear than right now with all this COVID stuff going on. Right. I can – look, I don't, I don't have to go out. You yourself, you, you know – for your job, you wear a mask eight, ten hours a day. Right. And that sucks. So I'm done I cannot blame you for being done with it and tired of it. I have people in my family, it's the same thing. I myself am fortunate. Right now, it's not something I have to do. Uh, it annoys me when I go out for a few hours and I have to wear one. Not because it's I don't think it's like violating my rights or anything. I don't give a shit about that. That's fine. If it makes people feel comfortable to have masks, I don't care. It doesn't bother me. I'll wear one. No problem. Uh, and I do have people in my family who are probably uh, high risk. And I certainly wouldn't want to make them sick because this is very dangerous for them, as are a lot of things. Um, but you have this segment of the population that makes you feel like, unless you want to just be terrified all the time, that you're doing something wrong. You're a bad person. You're the problem. Dude, we were told you could slow the curve seven months ago by spending two or three weeks inside. Everybody did that, and then that wasn't good. You know, it's like you, you look here. And, oh, well, it, it, this this is fine. That's fine. And then the next day, that's the thing that's going to make it worse. And then the next day, it's fine again. And the next day, it's going to make it worse. And it's like, I just, I don't want anybody to do anything to put themselves at risk. If you are high risk, if you are elderly, which I think I can stop saying it two different things because that probably includes the high risk people. Yeah, um, yeah be careful. Like, oh, my God, be careful, of course. Don't put yourself in jeopardy. Um, but if you're a healthy adult, don't be afraid to crack a window, turn off the news, and take a breath. Go out in your backyard and breathe in some fresh air. Like, everything around this isn't melting. Well, there's no snow on the ground right now where we're at, so there's nothing melting. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I do, I do. I there's do. plenty of snowflakes melting, even though it hasn't snowed yet, trust me. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's like, we're going to tie into sports now and kind yeah. get of get off, get off our own soapbox here. But, uh, you know, the, the Saints... This past week, we're docked a seventh-round draft pick uh, and fined, I believe, $300,000. Uh, uh, 2021 seventh-round pick, excuse me, for a maskless celebration uh, after, I believe it was the win against Tampa Bay a few weeks ago. I think so. Uh, and it showed everybody on the team and, you know, in close proximity, dancing around, uh, and with music going and strobe lights and stuff in the locker room celebrating. And, you know, the even, even, well, the Saints, uh, some of the Saints players filmed it, and, and it even went viral on NFL.com. So the NFL knew about it. 
and apparently decided that the NFL cannot take public criticism anymore. They just jump on anybody now. So they're inconsistent there. Uh, they decided that apparently they violated COVID protocol. And look, if it's written down, it may have been protocol. And if they violated it, fine. Uh, but you have every single person in that room before they're allowed to enter that building right. have to pass a test saying they do not have it. Nobody in that room was infected. They were tested. Everyone was fine. This goes back to what I was just saying. Yeah, I'm going to tie it in. I'm not just ranting to rant. If you're an at-risk person, be cautious. If you're a healthy adult who's been tested and you're clean, let's stop acting like you, you, <laughs> let's stop acting like you have to live in seclusion still. This is nuts. This is absurd. All of these guys were tested. They were fine. Absolutely fine. And now they get penalized, the draft pick, and docked a bunch of money because a bunch of people on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, you know, got behind the keyboard and started saying how they are so terrible and they're the reason we're having all these problems. And oh my God, this is the worst. And I don't know. Okay. All right. So everybody get in their shell for another six months, even if you're healthy, because we don't want to piss off the Twitter trolls. It's it's consistent with what they did to the Raiders. I think the Raiders one is worse, though, as far right, as what the Raiders did. it was did. a little bit of a blatant, they went out in public. The, yes, the Raiders, again, see, listen to what I'm saying. Sorry, Ben. But That's all right. Listen to what I'm saying, because I agree with them finding the Raiders for that. Because the Raiders were out in public with people they did not know had been tested. Right. And they were not wearing masks. And then they went back to their teammates and went back to their families. That is a whole different circumstance. I agree with that. That is stupid, especially right now. But as far as a bunch of people in a room who are healthy and have been tested, get over it. My God. It's unfortunately, it's it's consistent with what they're doing as far as yes. if you're if you're if you're found to not be following protocols that they've set in place, then it's consistent. Now, where we're not being consistent is what we're doing with the Ravens and the Steelers. And and how is that not consistent? Um, because they keep pushing these days, and they did the same thing. Broncos with, on line one. Right. And I was going to say, you know, they did it with the, the Patriots. They moved, what, two weeks? They actually had to move up their bye week with um, – who was the team they were facing that week? I don't remember, honestly. I don't remember. It was so long ago week in, on week four. But they did. They, they, they literally have moved the Ravens and the Steelers like three or four times. They're supposedly going to play 340, at 340 tomorrow, which Wednesday afternoon football, I mean. Yeah, we record on Tuesday night, spoiler, so that's actually tomorrow afternoon, yeah. Right. Um, yet, all four – Broncos quarterbacks are either COVID positive or at high risk and can't play. And the NFL refused to move them because the quarterbacks put themselves in this position, which, okay, I can agree with that. Maybe. But let's let's remember one thing. You've moved 
the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers multiple times, you couldn't move them to Monday night or Tuesday night to just see. Because the product on the field, the, the kid, this is not an indictment on the kid. He was a practice squad quarter, uh, practice squad wide receiver who played quarterback in college, and they're trying to convert him. To yeah, wide I feel bad for that kid. He got dogged. One, one for no eight. Way. Yeah. One for eight. Yeah, no. What do you like, expect? That was it's like you or I going out there. Yeah, we would have had a better shot. I don't know about that. Well, that kid's that kid's by far a better athlete than you or I. True. So but it it's just that's. I get what they're doing. They're punishing the Broncos' quarterbacks for not adhering to protocol. Do you know why they're punishing the Broncos' quarterback? Because there's no superstars in the Broncos' quarterback room. No, yeah, Drew Locke is not. No. To that degree, maybe yet. We're not sure. But, they're, yeah, there's no – because clearly they're, they want the Pittsburgh Steelers and they want the Baltimore Ravens to actually play a game that, that is indicative of their skill level. Whereas they don't really care about the Broncos because they're not going to win the division. And who cares? Who, who cares? Do you know what I think my biggest problem with the league is, and in general with this whole thing, is, is the testing. Because I think there can be – it's so easy to have lapses in testing. It's not whether this thing is real. It, it clearly is. It's not whether it's dangerous. It clearly is if you're an at-risk person. My problem is, okay, for instance, Adam Thielen of the Minnesota Vikings, superstar wide receiver, one of the best in the game. I've, I've heard this a few times from you, but go ahead. Yeah, you have, but I haven't said it in the microphone yet. Yes. Okay, he tested, I, I don't know if, I, I believe he tested positive for COVID mm-hmm. this uh, the previous week, before week 12. Was told by the league he tested positive, he could not play. So they had a video of him. And this is not an indictment on, on, on Adam Thielen, by the way. This is simply just the testing policy and how accurate it is. Video of Adam Thielen when his team was victorious after a missed field goal by the Panthers this past Sunday. Jumping up and down without a problem. Energetic. Not lethargic at all. Did not have a single issue. Says he was feeling great. League said you have COVID, you can't play. Think there might be issues with the testing? I mean, my God, it's the four Broncos, the four Broncos quarterbacks who could not play this past weekend. The the game the league could not postpone for anything. All tested clean today. All four of them. Yeah, from what I I saw, one tested positive. It was either uh, Brett Rippon or or Jeff Driscoll tested positive. Driscoll tested positive. And the rest of them were just deemed high, high risk. Because of the situation, because they were in, they were in close proximity, right? And none of them were wearing a mask. And I, I didn't see that they tested positive. All three of those other guys, besides Driscoll, got absolutely torn apart because again, everyone's got to get on a soapbox. They got absolutely torn apart. Even their coach, their coach, you're supposed to keep stuff in house, right? Their coach came out because he wants to score points to the league and the media. Came out and ripped his own team. Well, yeah, I didn't like that. No, that's horrible, and it shows why he's never <laughs> shows why he's the quality of coach he is. Um, was it Vic Fangio? Yeah, yeah. Good luck finding another job after you get fired in Denver, Vic. Um, but he came out and ripped them up and down. Okay, so the, supposedly they were tested on, on Tuesday. 
okay? And the league gets these results back same day because they already knew yesterday they tested clean on Monday. And they were tested again today, being Tuesday. And if they all test clean today, all four can return to practice tomorrow. So how did they being not Wednesday. know on Thursday? So if you can tell, why were they not informed Tuesday? Right. Or, or Wednesday. Or Wednesday before this Thursday meeting when all these people who were tested and were supposed to be clean were in the same room with each other, but they still got to stay six feet apart and they still got to wear masks even though they're tested and they were told they were clean and somehow these guys are evil, bad human beings for this. You know Drew Locke's mom came out mm-hmm. and was like fighting back with people oh on boy. Twitter? Oh and I am 100% behind Mrs. Locke on this one because shut up. Get off your soapbox. So if you were like, tested and you're told you're clean. Right. If you were tested and you were told you were clean, then why? These are the same people who probably wait before they go in the bathroom. That's possible. And think, oh, look at this. I'm, this is going to make sense. It's it's stupid. It's stupid. So there's only two, re- two reasons I can think of that they didn't tell them. So it's one. They're not getting the test. There's only certain times they get the test back quickly. or, or there, There's inefficient... Method with getting these positive uh, these tests uh, completed. It's possible. Okay, it's possible. Option B. It's a little darker. They somehow got information that that the Broncos might not be following all the protocols, and they may have been setting them up to fail. That's conspiracy theory. I don't know if it. I don't know about it. that one. I don't have any information. I I'm just saying those are the only two uh, the two logical theories I can see. I'd be I'd be I'd be willing to I don't know about conspiracies only because I think there's enough craziness with the stuff that actually goes on. Right. The tangible stuff we can actually look at and say, yeah, that actually happened, to not even have to venture into conspiracy theory. Um It's quite possible that for some reason I, I, they I think can't consistently get You could be right on that, where it's maybe on, on game days they get them back quicker and it's normal to have a one or two day lapse. But I just like again, if that's the case why do these, and you're not sure, why are these guys meeting in a room? Okay, like, why aren't they meeting on Zoom over conference or any other Zoom or Skype or whatever? Why aren't they meeting over one of those those forms of, of, uh, of communication? Like, if you're so worried about it, you haven't gotten these test results back yet, then according to the policy, they shouldn't even be in the building together. And if that's the problem, then I understand the violation. But that's not what they're saying. Right. They're saying these people that assume they were all clean and, and COVID-free because of the league's testing, the league allowed them to go in, and then they weren't wearing masks. Well, that's why we. That's why I would – because I'm uh, not 100% sure, but maybe the Broncos were on that list of teams. It's like week one or week two. You know, remember when the league sent out – like we're, we're publicly – Saying you know this 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 coach this coach this, this oh they were coach. one of them I think they were one they were of them. they were so and obviously we we know the Raiders are are second are repeat repeat offenders because they got do- they got docked a a sixth round earlier in the season and a fine and it was publicly known that that Gruden was on that the 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 shit list because he kept pulling that mask down and this is when we went on our tirade about just where the the face shield, right? Which is, I think, where uh, Vic Fangio went to. I think he's wearing the the face shield. I know if, dude, I know if I was in that situation, I'd wear the face shield. Well, that's why Andy Reid hasn't 
been on the list yet because yeah. he went full face shield right away. And he reads a smart man. Mm. Just needed to fix that whole fogging issue. Yeah, which he did. He did. Clean that up real quick. You may, and, and you can make adjustments. We know that. That's why I say the the theory, as much as it's a conspiracy theory, there is some water to. Are they testing some teams on protocols with not giving them test results right away? Well, and here's the thing. I mean, that is possible. But, uh, again, if you're so concerned about safety, you don't test when it comes to protocols because then you just had four people who you think potentially could have caught it. One of three who caught it from one person. Right. Okay, good. Congratulations. You proved the protocols are violated and now four people are sick. So I don't think they're going to be playing around people's health that way. Um, I, there's just no consistency here. And why, why, why is, and, and, and I'll get you, why is it that, why couldn't they test them Thursday or Friday or Saturday? Well, they or, test them every day. But, but those specific players, like why could, I, I don't remember seeing any, a positive test for the other quarterbacks. No, and even, even was, Jeff Driscoll, who was six, said he felt fine and he's already, he's already clean. He's already okay. He's already passed protocol again. So less, he's less already than, back. Right. So I, I don't understand. I don't remember seeing any, you know, like all it said was high, high risk. It's like you're inconsistent. That's all you are. You're well, inconsistent with this testing. And, and you basically just handed. Sean Payton came out publicly and said after the game, we changed our game plan because we saw who was at quarterback and knew we didn't have to dial up a lot of plays to beat, no offense to Hitton, who was the starting quarterback for the Broncos, because it's his first game, and he hasn't played quarterback since college, even though he's a rookie. And clearly, they were assembling a game plan for this kid that they didn't know what they were going to get, and he completed one pass. So... Even the Saints knew what they were going against. I wonder if he had a higher percentage uh, QB rating than Carson Wentz. Did he? I don't know. There's no way. I'm just I'm just being a jerk. <laughs> yeah, and again, it comes back to I'm not uh, I'm not questioning the validity of people getting sick from this. I'm questioning the testing. Like, I almost wonder if they're doing so much testing that they're not able to thoroughly thoroughly test enough, and they're getting false positives. You know, it's like when Cam Cam tested positive for it. Cam Cam, you know, Cam Newton likes his Instagram and he likes his he likes putting his videos online. The dude kept saying he felt fine. He looked fine. He's like, I, I don't I don't feel like anything's wrong with me. You know, I'm quarantining anyway just to be safe and make sure I don't get anybody sick. But like, <laughs> I feel fine. And it's like, and then like three days later, the league tests him again. Like, oh, you're good. It's like, okay, well. <laughs> Do you think if this thing that the media has us believing is like the zombie apocalypse virus uh, is so deadly and dangerous, again, it can be to some people, you would think it would take more than three days to clear out of someone's system at a time when they're like, no, I'm good. I just, I don't get it. There's no consistency in how anybody's handling any of this. And, you know, you're going to believe what you're going to believe and you're going to either agree or disagree with us, but, you know, we... We stand by what we say. We're not. Neither one of us is the type that's going to go backpedal because people don't like it. So. To answer your question, 
Hinton did not have a higher passer rating. Hinton had a zero passer rating. Or, yep. How's that possible? He completed a pass. He should have gotten some credit. It says zero. I don't know. The math works out. He has a zero. And obviously, passer rating is weird, anyways, honestly. Carson once had a 73. It's weird. I like the best passer rating. Yeah. Isn't 100, it's 158.3. I, I, it's I, very strange how that works Very, out. very know. strange. That's why they uh, uh, NFL.com does a uh, QBR, which I guess factors in a bunch of stuff. But it is, I think it's. I think that one is 1 to 100. But, again, it's a bunch of math that I, I don't want to deal with. So, I'm used, I, I, like you, I'm used to passer rating. Yeah, no, well, I mean, let's not that we've alienated half to two thirds of our audience. Um, let's uh, let's get on to some other topics. We have some coaches who were removed and GMs who were removed and fired, and one who could possibly be on the way, and one who didn't didn't get fired. One who didn't, yeah. Um, but I actually, I I really don't have a problem with that right now. Okay. Um, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. Uh, Matt Patricia, of course, the former head coach of the Detroit Lions. Bob Quinn, the GM of the Lions. Uh, they were both uh, fired earlier in the week after their abysmal, uh, actually later last week, after their abysmal uh, Thanksgiving Day performance, if you want to call it that. Uh, they should have, you know, been charged with impersonating a football team, but that's a different, you know, that's whatever. Patricia, since 2018, when he took over, for uh, oh, who was the goal? Uh, Caldwell, Jim Caldwell? Caldwell, yep. Who actually had a winning record, I believe, as head coach, uh, or much better than Patricia, at least. Patricia was 13 21 and 9. Uh, Bob Quinn was 31 43 and 1 since 2016. So you can see uh, that is part of the reason why earlier in the year I selected the Detroit Lions as the most abysmal franchise in professional American sports. And they are supporting your argument. They are absolutely supporting my argument. Um I just want to I just want to indicate my this my my pick the Sixers are still still supporting my argument, but we will see. Yeah, but at least they've made the playoffs. True. At least they've made the playoffs. So I mean I, I don't know. Um I guess it depends what your you know the, the future we'll see. Yeah. Uh I mean I don't know where does this team go? I mean what do they do? They draft defensive players. They don't keep them. They right. Matthew Stafford looks really good, and he misses you know parts of a few seasons with some back issues. He comes back. He has not looked good this season. Kenny Galladay hasn't played most of the year. DeAndre has been out the last couple games. Carry um, on Johnson was supposed to be the running back of the future. He didn't pan out again. More poor drafting. Uh, and this is this is a, a not just a this regime thing. Oh no! It's been no. poor drafting in Detroit. Almost since Barry Sanders, and you're talking two front line almost uh, in in the in the in the argument for best at their position players and Barry Sanders at running back and Calvin Johnson at wide receiver who decided to just instead of dealing with the ineptitude of the Lions franchise, just said screw it we're going to retire, <laughs> we'll even give you some money back we're done we're not dealing with this team anymore we're not putting our bodies on the line for this franchise. And, I mean, where do they go? What do you do? Who do you bring in? I mean, you have to change the entire culture of that team. You need somebody who can get stuff done. So I don't – what I don't do, all right, uh, is I guess 
Daryl Bevel came out. The Daryl Bevel, the offensive coordinator and now interim head coach, says he's apparently has a shot, is what he's being told. Although they don't have a GM, so uh, I guess someone high up still in the organization is telling him he has a shot at, at becoming the full term, full time head coach next year. But the next five weeks will tell, and I will we will get into that later in the episode. Um, if it was me, uh, the I don't know who's left. I guess we could. I'll, I'll just go with uh, uh, what's her name, uh, Ford. She's I don't know her uh, first name. I don't but, either. Uh, if I were her, I would just just say thank you, Daryl, for for the five weeks that you've coached the team. Uh, we're moving on. Um, whoever's left at the top uh, of the food chain, I don't know who is. Um, I would just say thank you uh, for your service. You're moving on. And bringing another a new person, and um, no offense to to Bill Belichick's coaching tree or or personnel, because Bob Quinn connection to um, the New England Patriots as well. I move on from that. I I start fresh. I start bringing someone who might and stay away from Bill O'Brien, please. And just bringing someone fresh and say, look, you have the rain. Bring in your. You're, oh my God! I can already tell you the Detroit Lions 2021 GM combo mm-hmm. and the head coach combo. Yeah, Bill O'Brien at GM, Adam Gase head coach. Oh my God, that would be horrible, but it would be funny. But I make a decision because you're right about Carryon Johnson, second round pick, 2018. DeAndre Swift, two, 2020. There that. That there's like not much time in between. You you shifted less than two years to another a new running back to start. Like that's that's bad drafting. Oh, we tra- we uh, we traded Darius Slay for pretty much nothing. Right. Uh, even though we could afford him, was really not paying anybody. And you're now going to lose Kenny Galladay uh, for nothing. Yeah, and not only that, well, we got to trade Darius Slay because well, we don't know why. We we got to trade Darius Slay. Oh, we need a quarterback now. Let's uh let's draft Jeff Okuda. Who's, okay. Who's good? Yeah, fine. Nothing against Jeff Okuda. I mean, the jury's still out. We'll see. But here's the problem. What's around him? And not only that, just going to wait three years and then release him or trade him too. If he gets They don't there. keep anybody. If he gets there. And, and what will happen is, what happens with a lot of, of franchises, you bring in a new GM, you bring in a new coach. If, they may not be sold on all these players. I Case in point, Mika Fitzpatrick. Do we question his athletic ability or his his playmaking ability? Oh no! Look at him! Look at him in Pittsburgh. He's done a phenomenal. But Brian Flores came in first round pick, and he said, "Do you want to be part of the future? Because this is what it's going to look like." No, traded him. Got a first round pick, but traded him. So that could absolutely happen to Jeff Okuda, no doubt. I, I move. I move on from Stafford. I move on from. Stafford. I think you have to at this point. I move on from Carryon Johnson. Um, I might even say, yo, Kenny Galladay, we're going to franchise tag you, but we'll talk to other teams and see if we can work out a trade. Because unfortunately, he was a third round, third round pick that you don't get a fifth round option, a fifth year option on. Sorry. And I think, honestly, if you tag Kenny Galladay, you can get a first round pick for him. Right. You would have, yeah. Because, because no one's, no one's going to, no one's going to sign him off that franchise tag and have to give up two first-round picks for him. 
but you can work out a deal to get right. to get it, i.e., a Wes Welker kind of deal where you get you, you get some good draft picks in exchange. You have to have a smart GM to pull that kind of deal off, which is what they need to do. And you need to reset as as painful as it's going to be. And they've had resets many, many times. The Ford family just needs to look at it and say, we're done. Bring someone in that is intelligent and can has not has not failed before. Like this, when we'll get to Coldwell, the GM, ex-GM of the Jaguars, I wouldn't go with him. Thomas Dimitrov, who got fired earlier in the season from the Falcons, I'd consider it, but I wouldn't even go with him. I'd go with someone fresh, someone new, someone who's been in an organization that has succeeded in drafting. You know where I'd go? I tell you. Pittsburgh. Mm, or uh, Baltimore. I was going to say, as far as GM or head coach? GM. I was gonna say I got an idea for head coach in, in Detroit. I would I would say I would go if I was looking for a GM, I'd I'd uh, be looking at Pittsburgh. I'd be looking at Baltimore. That's no, I'd agree with that because they're two of the teams that are consistently competitive. Not only because they they can bring good players in, because they consistently draft and have good players around the team. Right. So absolutely. So if I'm going head coach, Chris. Where am I going? Going to San Francisco and Robert Salas. Not a bad choice. Somebody new. Somebody who's going to command respect from the players. Somebody who is doing low-key one of the single best jobs of any coach in the game this year. You have a decimated San Francisco 49ers defense, and he still has them competitive and playing well. They are not a joke. They have a lot of players out, and people thought they were going to fold and not even be competitive. That team beat a Rams team this past weekend who – Beat the Bucks the previous season, right. or excuse me, previous week, and that's that's not nothing. Like I don't think the Bucks are as good as everybody thought they were, um, but and Nick know, Mullins surprise, is surprise, and Nick Mullins is a quarterback. Nick Mullins knows his system. Nick Mullins, no, he's not. He's not going to go out and put up Patrick Mahomes numbers. Let's not be foolish. With that defense led by Robert Salas, they don't have to. So you have a guy who's already proved he can take a little bit, get the most out of it. Get his players fired up. The dude just looks like a badass. Right. Dude looks like somebody you're going to respect. I'm sorry to Matt Patricia. You don't look at Zach Galifianakis' stunt double and go, I'm scared of you. You're not going to screw with Robert Salas. If I were Detroit, I would absolutely – he'd be the first call I made for head coach. And and I think I think they'll look at uh, Eric Bieniemy. I know I keep pounding this uh, this table about Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, I keep pounding the table and it keeps showing up on uh, – on, uh, on the audio, so. I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's a bad habit sometimes. Um, I just don't think this would be a good fit for him, unless somehow they got like a the top pick. I mean, top, I mean first, second pick, and they got a either Justin Fields or or Trevor Lawrence. Maybe then I say I look at Eric Bieniemy, but. He needs. He would need a, a really good quarterback to kind of. Because Andy Reid, let's admit, Andy Reid had a lot of, a lot of goodwill when he came to Kansas City because he established that he knows how to run offense. He's had multiple quarterbacks in, in Philadelphia. He had some success going to the Super Bowl, so he was able to have this stretch where he was able to. 
build his organization, build his offense, and had Alex Smith, and then transition to Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if the enemy will get that that long leash, if you will, of of building a successful team. He might need to go somewhere where there's an established quarterback or an up-and-coming quarterback where he can kind of mold. And I don't think that would be a good fit in Detroit. So I like your pick. And to kind of piggyback on your um, indictment of, of Patricia and, and your, your kind of pushing Salah as the, the, the kind of choice, Bill Belichick is making a lot of nothing, a lot of a something out of nothing because he's got a lot of players out, whether it be – you know, opting out or injuries on his defense. And he's he's putting together a respectable defense this year. Oh, yeah. That is not on Stephen Belichick or, or Gerard Mayo, what they're doing. It, they're part of the piece, but it's Bill Belichick. And you got to think, well, that's what Bill does. And he's getting a lot of coordinators' jobs. And, and then they <laughs> get away. Yeah, they get away. They're yeah. kind of failing. And, and Joe Judge is still out there, and, and Brian Flores is still out there, so we have to see what, you know, they kind of do with, with their teams. But Everyone looks great playing around Michael Jordan until they go to a different team, but they don't have right. Michael Jordan. Everyone uh, looks great, a genius, because Belichick can tweak your game plan for you, and then you get away. With the exception of Brian Flores, like you said. Flores yeah. seems like he's the real deal. Right. But I don't know anybody else who's had much success out of the Belichick tree. Oh. We have to see what Joe Judge does, but Joe Judge has been. Uh, okay, a lot. Yeah, you know that's that's fair. Yeah, Joe Judge has not had. This is his first season. Yeah, um, he's had a little bit of. Uh, he's had some hurdles, to say the least. So I would say, Kyle Shanahan is not really getting given his input on the defense because we see how much he wants to be in that offense of, of uh, offensive meetings, quarterback meetings. He does the play calling, so really it is all Robert Salas on that defense. So. That's probably great. I, I just probably would be the best pick for Detroit to kind of move forward with. Um, but I definitely would look at probably heavily to Baltimore for their for um, a GM. I can see GM. that. But I would also consider Pittsburgh as a great option. Well, one place you want to look for a GM is Jacksonville because they don't currently have one. Uh, the GM, uh, who I, I, oddly enough, I did not write the name down. Uh, David Cowell. David, Cal- uh, David Caldwell, I think it was the name. Okay, well, he um, you know, he was fired as a GM. He's been there since 2013, uh, 39 and 86. Wow. Uh, and if you can imagine, there were a few years there where the Jags were pretty good. So they won the majority of uh, of those games in, in about two seasons, and uh, two to three seasons, and then from that point on here and there. So, uh, I mean, I know exactly where you're going with this. When you said you, you don't know why Doug Marone wasn't fired, uh, I can tell you why, and I don't think he's far behind. I think it, it depends how much input he had with personnel. Because if you have the GM, this Caldwell guy, he's the one that traded, you know, Yannick and Jaku and Jalen Ramsey and Calais Campbell for next to nothing. Right. And literally countless other superb defensive talents that the Jacksonville Jaguars had that got them about three minutes away from being in the Super Bowl, oh, three years ago? 
three years ago, they were in the AFC Championship game, and they have a lead against New England in New England with like three minutes left. And if it wasn't for, you know, a great play of a great play, an all-decade play by Stephon Gilmore, and, you know, Brady leading them down the field, uh, back before Brady got pouty-faced, um, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars are in the Super Bowl. Right. And it's the following season, they were the favorites in the AFC. They had the best defense in, in football by far. And then they go out and they just get beat time after time after time. And he starts picking off pieces and trading pieces. I think this was a punishment for his short-sightedness and his inability to sign anybody to a contract. I mean, they're not paying anybody down there. They brought in Nick Foles and immediately the next season traded him because Gardner Minshew is apparently better than Nick Foles is, which, I mean, that's debatable, but I, I could honestly probably agree with that. It's it's Doug Marone, if he doesn't finish out this season winning at least four or five, he's going to be gone too. He may be gone after another loss. Who knows? But I think they're going to give him a chance to say, okay, we're going to bring another GM and... We're going to try to get you a little bit more talent and see what you got. They clearly like Doug Marone for some reason. I, just, I, I, I don't know why I don't either. I don't either. get it. But he's got to have, you know, um, he's got to have uh, suggestive pictures of someone somewhere. He already bailed on Buffalo before the end of his contract there. Why would he not do the same thing here? Well, because he knows he's been coaching like crap and no one else will sign him. But he wasn't. I mean, he was okay in Buffalo, but he wasn't like. Well, he still had a stigma to him. He st- he still had this as a, as a hard nose, you know, hard nose coach, and players would respect him. And this and then he was coming down to a team that had some kind of talent, and now that has just been traded off, decimated, sold to the highest bidder. Hell, in some cases, like Calais Campbell, sold to the lowest bidder. Right. Uh, no rhyme or reason for it. There's no. Hey, we're going to trade this guy for two first-round picks, and then we're going to go this direction with the team. It's just, oh, we traded this guy, and now we're going to draft two of the same position. Okay, they, like there's they, just there's no there's no there's no game plan down there in Jacksonville. Like you could have got something for net for for net, but you you made it so publicly known that that the team and the player weren't on the same. Like he had a grievance against them because, and this could probably all be connected to one person. Coughlin. He started this. He started a a a a not a narrative, but a way of of doing things, which, albeit it worked because it got him to the AFC Championship game, but it kind of fell off to a point where he was fired. What was it beginning of this season, or was it last off season? That, that it was last off season. And, and I don't it, know if he was actually fired. I think he was only like special advisor. Like I don't even know if he actually could have been. But fired. it was a big deal. Sure, but because I mean, the, some of the players made a point of the clocks were turned ahead five minutes after he left, because he was very he was a stickler about meetings. You you know if you were you were early you were on time. If you were on time you were late. He did that in New York. Now he got two Super Bowl rings there. And I think he almost took Jacksonville to the Super Bowl when he was the first time around when he was the head coach. Yeah, oddly enough, was the Patriots who stopped him there too. But well, one of the times. I'm not, and I'm not saying that as a as a bad thing for Tom Coughlin, but he did set a, a a way of doing things, and then all of a sudden, it started to fall off after he left. 
like you meant me there's a connection there that he was he was starting to build something and it just started to break and then they let him go and it just oh man that is a perfect segue started Uh, to build something and then it broke and fell off i know and you know we're talking about coaches who might be on the hot seat. Uh, if you told us before the season that it might be Doug Peterson, we'd probably tell you you were kind of crazy. Well, because uh, I don't think he's exactly the problem. No, but at some point, you know, there needs to be a fall guy for it. But he is and he is elongating this problem. Because... He is, and I mean, you are in the most abysmal division in NFL history. Yes. Um, although the worst division ever won twenty five games, so. I mean, we got to see. If they win 26 as a total, it won't be the worst ever. What was that? Was that the... Uh, I don't remember, but I can, I can pull it up. It, it was the NFC... It was the, yeah, I don't know. I, don't I know. think it was the NFC West. It was either the NFC West or the AFC West. We discussed this after the episode. I can't believe I didn't write it down. But you're right. It was like 26 uh, victories total. Between the four teams, before, yeah. And, and they're not... They're not online to to do that. Look, here's the thing. I understand what they're saying. They wanted to draft uh, Jalen Hurts to kind of have like a Drew Brees, Taysom Hill kind of combination like they have down in New Orleans. Right. The problem with that is Carson Wentz isn't Drew Brees. So let's stop mm-hmm. making that comparison. Uh, and he, it's you don't draft somebody in the first round to play that role. That's somebody you pick up in the fifth or sixth round who's a good athlete, or maybe after maybe well, I think like Taysom Taysom Hill, who was uh unrestricted free agent or undrafted free agent, I believe. Yeah, and and Jalen turned... wasn't a first round pick though. Huh? Jalen Hurts wasn't a first round pick. Though. I thought he was a first round pick. No. Oh, he's a second round pick. That's right. Yeah, the kid, uh, Jordan Love was a first round pick. Yes. He was a second second I, round, fifty third overall. But either way, when you have that many needs, right, including receiver, which continues to rear its ugly head. I mean, Travis Fulgham was the early surprise right. of the first quarter to six weeks of the season. So naturally, what do you do? You throw the ball to him twice yesterday. Ooh. Um, Excellent move. And, I mean, the week before, I don't think he got anything. And he's perfectly healthy, and he's still very talented. This is just a team that does not know how to coach. You have Miles Sanders. You run the ball like six times. Okay, that's because your offensive line is at this point held together with duct tape. But – Miles Sanders and Miles Sanders didn't help himself any by dropping a couple passes yesterday, but that's not normal for him. So I would, that was kind of an anomaly. Normally he catches a lot of those passes, but this is a team that does not seem to have an identity, and this is a team we 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 praised, we praised up and down in the off season mm-hmm. for the move of the off season, with the exception of maybe the DeAndre Hopkins trade by getting Darius Slay, a a a very 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 good corner top-tier corner for a third- and a fifth-round draft pick and really helping shore up a position they needed a lot of help with. They drafted a receiver in the first round. That's who they drafted. They drafted Rager in the first round. Yeah, they, they, and um, they could have. They could have gotten Van Jefferson, who who has flashed a little bit with the Rams, but there are, like, three guys ahead of him who are pretty good. And they could have got Denzel Mims, who is playing on the Jets, they could have gotten a lot of guys, they, it, but the pro- the problem they just said that last night. They could have oh, they could have gotten DK Metcalf because he was taken after some. How many teams passed up on him? It's not a problem with the player; it's a problem with the system. Doug Peterson, I, I mean, as much fun as people probably have playing for him, much like Lane Johnson has said, 
Uh, it's not really fun when you're playing in the worst division as in history. Right. You have a someone who's a franchise quarterback, supposedly. He's being paid very much like a franchise quarterback. And you're having trouble winning games in that division. You have a talent, a, a superb talent in Miles Sanders. You have a guy who was supposedly an MVP candidate three years ago in Carson Wentz. Yeah, your offensive line's banged up. A lot of offensive lines are banged up. You want to blame receivers. Uh, Brian Greasy last night, I'm watching Monday Night Football last night, Brian Greasy up and down, blaming these receivers, tearing these receivers a new one, left and right, and praising Carson. He was an MVP candidate three years ago. Look at 2017. This guy was so, oh, my God. You cannot move on from this guy. You cannot change this guy. And um, Steve Levy and uh, Uh, Louis Riddick. Louis Riddick are kind of looking at him like, at what point do you make a switch? Like, you're praising this guy up and down. You're saying receivers aren't getting open. But yet the game plan, the call, is just continuous slant and out routes, which are being covered very easily by a defense that, you know, probably a Pop Warner football team defense could read those coverages or could read those uh, those formations. And it's either Carson Wentz or Doug Peterson making those calls. The receivers aren't picking the plays. No. So you <laughs> tell me who's at fault here. The receiver running the route you're telling them to run. If your receivers keep running into double coverage or coverage they can't get open in, it's clearly their fault that you won't change that that, that play call. <laughs> it's it's absurd to me. Well, they're not to get off the, the the base point here, but Brian Greasy was garbage as a, a a commentator in college football. But it was overshadowed by two things. One, you have a lot of college football games that you can be a part of and not your, your, your warts will not show. And two, with a greater point, he is still riding on the greasy last name. Sure. And I mean, here's the thing, even, even without taking any kind of shots at him, which doesn't, doesn't invalidate any of your points, right? but even without that, it's just the fact of you're blaming people who don't have anything to do with the play calls. Right. That's just a quarterback, an ex quarterback, which is what Brian Greasy is. I was not insulting his last name. His actual last name is Greasy. Yeah. Um, that's an ex-quarterback trying to defend a quarterback, and you just can't call a spade a spade. Your your offense is not working. Your quarterback has zero confidence. And this is I understand this is coming from someone who is crapped all over Carson Wentz, and I'm trying... So hard not to take victory lap on this one, but it, he's kind of making it easy for me. I just don't know what happened to this guy. I mean, it's clearly, it's, it's his confidence. Well, that is, but there's a reason for that. Like it does, you don't just want to wake up and go, "Oh, I was almost an MVP. I'm not good anymore." Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's the fact that uh, Nick Foles won the Super Bowl for them because he couldn't complete a season, and the front office, and I will. I will no shift. He tore, sh- he, he tore an ACL in the air, which is still a okay. mis- mystery of physics. But I will I will shift the blame from Carson Wentz to the front office for not identifying earlier in his career, and I'm talking like last year, not just this year, last year and the year before, of incorrectly targeting wide receivers for their team. Yeah, and I mean, you're relying on Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. To be oh, don't your forget Alshon Jeffrey. 
and Alshon Jeffrey. And you drafted Nelson Aguilar, which I understand he had issues. He, he couldn't stay on the field. That's fine. But you didn't identify these uh, he issues. Looks, he looks pretty good in Vegas right now. So does that support my point of maybe it's a system problem? System, training staff problem. I, maybe I don't this know. team that won in 2017 that have so much fun. We'd rather win one and have fun and be serious and win multiple. That's really starting to show. And Ertz came out uh, early in the offseason or late in the offseason, I don't know when, but complained about his contract because who got contracts? Kittle, Kelsey, Austin Hooper got contract, and now he's sitting at home. I don't have one, and now he's having a crappy season. Dallas Goddard's pretty much taken over the first tight end position. Maybe it's yeah, still... Yeah, he's injured. Right, but when he's in... Carson Wentz is targeting him probably a little bit more or equally as as Zach Ertz, and he is not getting the numbers. That is going to justify an Austin Hooper contract, much less what he thinks he is. No, and I mean, even look, blame the receivers all you want. Obviously, not not you. I'm talking about Brian, uh, right. Brian Greasy, but blame the receivers all you want. And then look, last night, guys were open, and Wentz missed them. I mean, we're talking three to four or five yards slant routes. You have a guy open by two or three yards, and Wentz throws it five feet in front of him. <laughs> and not in front of him the good way, where they can run to it, catch it, and keep running. Like, out of their reach. And it's like, how are you blaming receivers for this? This is a lack of creativity on with the game plan. So it's confidence on both levels. It's confidence to quarterback, and it's, it's a lack of confidence... It, from the head coach who does the play calling and the quarterback able to execute the uh, execute the plays. So yeah. now he's simplifying. How did they win the Super Bowl? I know Nick Foles came in and played well. Right. He, they, but they did that because they had a great offensive line. Right. And they ran the ball. Right. And then that opened up. The, that, that's why a mediocre quarterback like Nick Foles was able to look superhuman for a four-game stretch, three because or four-game stretch. If you're you're if you're – Diverse in your offense, and you have a balanced offense, and the defense can't pin you down on one. If you, what does Bill Belichick always try to do? He always try to take the best thing you do. He's going to try to take away. If you have multiple things you could do, try to try to stop the Chiefs right now. If he could, he could probably take away Tyreek Hill. But then, how do you solve Travis Kelsey? How do you solve Patrick Mahomes? And and I know you I know Lev Bell hasn't really been integrated, but you still have Clyde really had to. Right. You still have Clyde Claire. You have McCall Hardman. It's like there's layers on layers, and that's what Andy Reid's built. There's not there's not layers with this Eagles team. It's basically if Miles Sanders performs. They have a shot, but Carson Wentz is not helping Miles Sanders at all. And if you're a defense, okay, we'll let Carson Wentz beat us. We're going to stack eight, nine in the box and say, Miles, you're not going to beat us. you got to make plays on the edge. And to your point, he dropped a few passes. He's not the greatest Wide receiver out of the backfield. I have only seen him drop those two passes last night. I, he, that does not seem to be something. Like I said, that's an anomaly. That is not a habitual thing but, with Miles but Sanders. He's also not integrated in the off of uh, the passing game as much as he probably should. Oh, be. absolutely not, without a doubt. Because this was the problem in his rookie season. 
is that how long did it take them to actually use him? Then they started some of them around week 12 or 13. Right. And it, and it it's just an indictment on both Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. All I know is, is you know, people have to think it's impossible for somebody to drop off after a couple of good seasons. We see it all the time. A guy comes in, does okay in his rookie season, looks great in year two, looks phenomenal in year three. In year four, he gets figured out a little bit more. He had – look, Carson Wentz had decent numbers last year from a pure numbers standpoint. He also had a QB rating of 93. With the exception of Tom Brady with his eight, uh, 88 rank, um, passer rating of 88, there was no other franchise star stud number one quarterback that had a uh, QB rating of 100 for under the season, including Matt Ryan, who had a pretty bad year last year. Carson Wentz was 93. Mm-hmm. I watched Carson Wentz last night, right before halftime. They drove downfield, made a couple of nice plays. Did he get in the red zone? He had he. <laughs> they showed it on the replay, and somehow Brian Greasy was calling this replay, and still, still, didn't notice the the glaring problems with with Carson Wentz. Uh, two open receivers coming right off the line. Uh, they're on like the twelve. Those guys get in. Those guys walk in the end zone. Those guys do like Tyree killed it on Sunday and backflip in the end zone. If Carson Wentz gets on the ball, what does he do? Throws in the double coverage. Ball gets picked off in the end zone. I swear to God, man, this pass was five yards away from the Eagles receiver he intended to throw to. Literally, it was like he was throwing to the defender. And all they keep saying is, Carson Wentz just has no help. Carson Wentz is the problem. Yes. And I'm not saying he has no talent. But you got to get this guy. Look, this team is going to have to give up $50 million in cap space next year if they cut him. 25 the year after that. You have a Carson Wentz problem. You need to solve this. It's a game plan issue. Doug Peterson cannot be creative on offense if he does not have his running game. He cannot make it work. He cannot make the adjustments he needs to. This offensive line is being held together with sticks and duct tape right now. Miles Sanders is not nearly the weapon he should be because Doug Peterson has no creativity. I know he won you a Super Bowl with the skeleton of the team he inherited. Now that this is starting to become his team, you see what he can do. Move on. This is what I would say to him. Because I look at I'm looking at Carson Wentz's Carson Wentz's numbers. 58% completion percentage. Not even 60. A 16 touchdown to 15 interceptions. And he's almost been sacked fifty times, and we're not we we we're about to start week thirteen, and he has a, a passer rating. This does this sound familiar? Seventy three point four. Yeah, which is what he was his last game. So apparently, that's his number. Well, at least he's consistent. That's all we ask. Absolutely. This is what I would do if I was because this is this is one of those moments. A certain team in Baltimore had one of those moments a few years ago. It's like, okay, what are we going to do? Are we going to stick with Joe Flacco or are we going to move on to Lamar Jackson? And we said, okay, not only are we going to move on to Lamar Jackson, we're going all in. And and right now it's it's shaky, but there's there's still some wiggle room with that, right? Sure. Still, sure they yeah. still have an opportunity to oh, yeah. to kind of fix a few of the bugs in that in that offense this year and moving on they have to make a decision like you just said because they're 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 hooked on this contract 
for a couple of years, and it's going to hurt when, if and when they cut him. Do they move on to Jalen Hurts? And the problem with Jalen Hurts is that he's not a first-round pick. He's a second-round pick, so now you only have three years. Whereas the Ravens will have the fifth-year option with Lamar because he's a first-round first round pick. But this is the offseason where you have to make a decision because the Cowboys, will they will they bring back Dak Prescott if they do? He's he'll he is the best quarterback in that division. The rest of that team has made Dak Prescott an unprecedented amount of money with how poorly they've played without oh, him. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They, they if I'm Dak, if I sign that contract, I take everyone out to the biggest, fattest steak dinner you can imagine because they all made him a very rich man. By the way, they cannot tie their own shoes when he's not in that on that field. And and we know what out no offense to Alex Smith. We know what he is. We know his capabilities when he's fully healthy. He's a good quarterback that can get a team to the playoffs, but he's not not that quarterback that's going to get him over the edge unless he has an elite defense. Daniel Jones is still a mystery. We're unsure. Maybe they can progress, but Dallas gets Dak back. They are the best team in that division. They have the best quarterback. You're the Eagles. You got to. I'm sorry, you got to go all in with Jalen Hurts. You say goodbye to Alshon Jeffrey. You say goodbye to Deshaun Jackson. Honestly, you thank Zach Ertz. You say go go find your contract. Maybe we'll match it, maybe we won't. And we move on with what we have. Well, I think if you say go find your contract, clearly they won't. Yeah. But well, let's move on ourselves to Banker Tank. Right. Uh, cuz we could we could we pick the, we could pick the Eagles apart all night and it's not, it's not our goal. It's just what we're observing. It's just it's it's the team needs direction. They don't have it right now with Doug Peterson. All right, Banker Tank Week 12. Oof. Yikes. It was not a banner week for any of us. I went 2-4. and four. Lucky for me, you weren't able to make up any ground also going 2-4. and four. Uh, Sad thing for me, one of my, one of my successful uh, picks was Lamar Jackson, who I only won because he isn't playing. So it was not superb. Uh, and Tammy went two and three. She has Deontay Johnson going tomorrow night afternoon. or tomorrow afternoon, excuse me. Um, and they are putting that game on in the afternoon, by the way, because they are lighting the Christmas tree on NBC at night. Oh, so that is why it's an afternoon, not a night okay. game. So interesting. <laughs> okay, hey, I'm all for Christmas. So whatever it is, what it is. It's 2020, so it's opposite land. Um, yeah. So I have an, uh, Ben has an overall record of 31 and 41 for the year. I am above 500 at 39 and 33. So I could, again, as long as I can maintain, as long as I can not win a game during a week yeah. and still at least be tied with Ben, I consider that a moral victory at least. And Tammy is 27 and 32. So I think by virtue of win percentage, Ben's in last place amongst yes, this group. I am. But we'll see. You never know. You could get lucky and go three and three this week. But let's move on to week 13. And full disclosure, um, we normally look at projections and other stats that are a bit available on Tuesday, but since tomorrow is still con- considered week 12 between the Ravens and Steelers, projections and things aren't out yet. So we just looked at uh, games and, and matchups and made our picks and just kind of at some point went with our gut too. So these... We don't know what the projections are yet. We could end up seeing them and going, oh, man, that's going to suck. Right. So you could be looking at two guys who are 1-5 and 0-6, and and 
But we went two and four with all that knowledge. So why not? What does it matter? Where are you going to start, Ben? Uh, I'm going to start with my bank. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, Kenyon Drake, and Jacoby Myers. So I go quarterback a lot with uh, my picks, and I'm going to I'm going to highlight Tannehill again. Uh, I'm looking at that uh, Browns secondary. Even though their front seven's playing pretty good, especially a uh, certain individual, Miles Garrett, is is having a defensive player, yeah, of the year type of season for sure. Their uh, secondary has given up 22 touchdowns, which is tied for third with a bunch of other teams. They don't pick the ball off a lot, and I just see AJ Brown and Corey Davis, Corey Davis to a lesser degree, uh, but AJ Brown, who is a game breaker, is just gonna open up on this defense. And I know Ryan Tannehill's not the offense. It's it's Derrick Henry. But that that run defense is is decent enough to maybe hold Derrick Henry down a little bit to give more opportunities in the passing game. And I but I just think I think Tannehill is gonna open up and this might be one of those games in a se- in, in the season where Tannehill had last year where he's gonna have a 300-plus yard game, two to three touchdowns. All right. I am going to go with uh, Kyler Murray against the Rams, David Montgomery against the Lions, and Stefan Diggs against the 49ers. I'm going to highlight David Montgomery. Uh, this is a guy who has uh, statistically underperformed as to what we thought he would. Uh, I don't entirely blame him by any means. It's been a suspect offensive line. Um, and the quarterback play in Chicago has been not great to be very generous. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with him because number one, the lions just aren't great at anything. They're just not good. Uh, and with, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It bodes better for him to have Mitchell Trubisky in the lineup because Trubisky can't throw the ball downfield. And will frequently take the check down and pass to Montgomery. Montgomery's a good receiver. And Montgomery's not a guy who's going to catch a catch a pass and break one for 80 yards. I mean, that's just not what he does. Um, well, they'll watch him do it this weekend, which would be fine because I know Bank. Uh, but he proved that if you have a quarterback who can at least hit a receiver downfield a bit this past week against the Packers, with a pretty decent line, um, that he, he can break some. He is talented enough to do that on his own. And he hasn't – that was the first game he'd had with Mitchell Trubisky at quarterback without Tariq Cohen in the lineup also to take carries and, and targets away from him. And he proved that he could, you know, get the job done. So I would estimate his projection will probably be somewhere around 10 or 11 points for the game. That's probably fair. He should easily be able to cover it against a pretty, pretty mediocre Lions defense. All right. Tank. You can go Matthew Stafford, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and Tyler Boyd. And I'm going to go quarterback again. Um, Poor Tyler Boyd. Yeah, I, I thought that was. Uh, it is a little easy on that one, but uh, I'm going to go Stafford. And this is going to tie into uh, um, game of the week as well. Um, I want to see what the Lions do. Uh, they cratered 
on Thanksgiving. I cratered on Thanksgiving. They, they, that 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 score is that not was, indicative. No, of that was terrible. Um, and Kenny Galladay is, looks like he's going to be out again potentially. It just doesn't look good. So I, I don't. And, and they're facing Chicago. So let's let's call a spade a spade. And the, the Detroit Lions offense is just bad. Uh, who you got? I have Deshaun Watson, Miles Sanders, and DeAndre Hopkins. Three pretty pretty big names on my, my tank list. I'm going to highlight Deshaun Watson. Uh, this Indianapolis defense is no joke. They can stop the run, which, uh, <laughs> let's be honest, the, uh, the Texans really can't do anyways. Um, David Johnson's been all right. Uh, Duke Johnson's been you know fine when they were in. I don't even know who's down there right now. The team's been back and probably has been in and out and injured. I don't know. Um, but either way, they're not running on Indy. Deshaun's going to have a hard time running on Indy. Oh, and by the way, his number one receiver who had a banner week. Banner. Banner week on Thanksgiving. Oh, we did. We, we, the, we. The, the, first, the first time in his career he has maintained healthy all season and is set to, I believe, is going to be a free agent. Yes. Set to probably make a boatload of money. Uh, coming off of a very good season, like I said, the only one he's maintained healthy his entire career, um, is now suspended for the remainder of season for violating the uh, substance policy. No, five games this in the year NFL. and one next year. Well, yeah, it's still six games. Right, no. Right, but he's done the rest of the year. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so Deshaun's going to pretty much be throwing to uh, uh, probably the guy who fills the Gatorade buckets. And because uh, I believe they waived Kenny Stills, they did. so they don't and have Kenny Stills now. They don't have Phil Fuller now. Uh, so I mean, if you have the if you have the Texans tight ends in fantasy, you're probably gonna be doing pretty good. Right. Uh, Fells is probably gonna have a pretty nice game, but that's about it. There's no way Deshaun Watson against that defense with that lack. It already had a lack of talent, and Deshaun was Deshaun Watson was being a damn magician, just making that team competitive, and it showed you what he can really do. And now without Fuller against a great defense, this poor guy's got no chance. I, I hope I'm wrong because I like Deshaun Watson, but man, he's gonna he's gonna earn every bit of his paycheck this week if he can have a decent game against this Colts defense. Just as an aside, I'm hoping the GM comes in, clears out the wide receivers, keep the tight ends, clear out the wide receivers, clear out the running backs. And go out and draft because you got Laramie Tunsil. So you should be good on the on offense line plus the rest. And you have Deshaun. Go out to the draft and free agency. Get yourself some wide receivers. Get yourself some running backs. Put some talent around Deshaun Watson. The problem is they don't have much of a draft thanks to the aforementioned Bill O'Brien. I know, but I am just saying. I agree, but. Game of the week. What do you got? I'm going to go. I know I, I kind of already. Uh, Kind of put it out there. I'm going Detroit Lions at Chicago. As as pointed out earlier, um, what I think of the Lions' chances uh, as Stafford's my tank. And early in the episode when I said Daryl Bevel, uh, what he does in the next five weeks will um, kind of be his uh, template for whether or not he will be the uh, the head coach next year. I just think they're going to tank. Not on purpose. I just think that this team is probably shot uh, emotionally after a terrible showing 
on Thanksgiving Day, which is supposed to be their game. It's what they do. Them and the them and the Cowboys. That's yeah, that's well, their their day. Somebody forgot to pass both teams. That matter. Oh yeah. So um, and, and I just think, I just think it's usually you like to see a team a players play because they have some pride and they need a contract. Whether or not they're they're up or not, they need to have a contract to to make their money. Again, the NFL is to make money. I just don't think they're gonna. I just think they're gonna. They're, they're gonna have a bad game against the Chicago Bears, who still need this game to continue their playoff hopes, because it looks like the Packers are pulling away with this division. Well, who do you got? I have the Cleveland Browns and the Tennessee Titans. That's a good pick. Uh, I think this game is. I mean, you could essentially call this game Nick Chubb versus Derrick Henry. Uh, not to say Tannehill and Baker Mayfield won't have, you know, any say in this, but if I think the smart game plan for this game, especially for the Browns, because I have more faith in Tannehill being able to hit his tight ends and receivers than I do Baker Mayfield. Uh, Baker Mayfield has yet to prove in a big situation he can come through. Uh, Tannehill, you know, didn't have a great AFC Championship game last year, but he's he's had some very nice comebacks. Um, I, I think this will be an entertaining game. If you like good running football, it'll be a very quick game because you're going to probably see about six, 60, 70, 75 runs during the game. That game's going to move quick. My guess is, uh, sometime watching red zone around two o'clock, Scott Hansen's going, we're already at halftime of this game. As long as he doesn't say those. He's going to say it. It's like his thing. He thinks it's like his gimmick, man. I don't know. Whatever, make some money, so good for him. Um, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a good game. And if both teams eight and three. Yeah. Both teams absolutely playing for playoff positioning. So they're they're gonna I mean, week thirteen, only four games left after this. There's not a whole lot of chance to improve your position after this, especially with a direct competitor. So this is this is gonna be a good one. And if you like good good running back play, this could be one of the best games of the year. And and Indy won't have the tiebreaker over Tennessee. I don't. I don't know if they won the first game or lost, but they lost the second game. So yeah, they don't have the tiebreaker. Did they so play the second one yet? Huh? They played two games. Did they? Oh yeah. They oh did. okay. Oh, they, they played. Two Anyways, games. anything else? Are you good? I'm all set, man. All right, well, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, we appreciate you listening. A little bit longer episode than than normal, although eh, not recently. Since we went to one day a week, we've been doing about an hour, hour and a half. So that's, that's about normal. Uh, we appreciate you sticking with us nonetheless, and uh, you know we know we got a little bit a uh, little bit edgier and more opinionated on this episode, but um, you know certain things bother us from time to time, and inconsistency is one of them. And the league showed a lot of that, so we're gonna we're gonna voice our opinion. And if you'd like to voice your opinion on our opinion or anything else you've heard in this episode or past episodes, Ben and I would love to hear from you. And where can they get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter at BCGS Pod. Hit us up on Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, or the website, btcspod.com. All right, and as I've been saying, I feel like a broken record here. Downloads continue to improve, so I I just want to thank you guys every time that happens because it's because of you. It's because you're spreading the word. If you like what you hear on the show, we'd ask that you do continue to do that and tell a friend. Uh, Sports fan, you know, may enjoy it. And if you you feel so inclined, uh, when you're downloading the show on our 
your podcast uh, platform of choice, maybe leave us a rating and a review. We'd really appreciate that. Hope you're enjoying this holiday season. It's a little bit different than normal, but still, there's there's a lot of good to be found. So try to find some positivity out there. And, you know, like I said, open a window, get some fresh air, and turn off the news once in a while. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.